change the world, or I should say for accuracy, stories about people and events that change the world. I'm W.F. Strong, your storyteller, and on this fifth episode, due to the enthusiastic reception of the interview I had with Dr. Bass, I'm going to let him tell you about two other cases he worked on that are, graphic warning here, gruesome in the details, yet nonetheless fascinating because it gives us a close-up look at Dr. Bass's investigative world and shows us how forensic scientists work to track down killers, solve mysteries and crimes, and sometimes simply make sense of chaotic scenes of death. If you missed the first part of that chat with Dr. Bass, Episode 3, you might want to listen to that first as it will offer context for this one, Part 2. As you may recall, I was talking to Dr. Bass about cases in which bodies are allegedly burned beyond recognition. He said, you can't do that. Hogwash was his word. He continues now to tell us that he can even identify people after they've been cremated. A lot of my work recently has been, uh, well, the last recently, the last 10 years, has been looking at cremations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can identify somebody from the cremations. But there's no uh, DNA left, right? No, there's no DNA left from a uh, from a cremation, from the heat that's, that occurs in a cremation furnace. But you're looking, you're looking at muscle markings. You're looking at teeth. Um, let me just give you one example. Okay. Uh, we had a guy uh, from North Georgia in a retirement home, and he had false teeth. Mm-hmm. And he took his false teeth out. He set them on the nightstand by the bed, and died during the night. And so. The family sent his body to the tri-state crematory to to be cremated, mm-hmm. and the assisted living facility uh, picked up all of his his bones, including his teeth, mm-hmm. and sent them back to the family. Well, the get back cremations, or what we call cremains, mm-hmm. which are the burned remains, and the family wondered, did they get back their loved one? Mm-hmm. And so they call the lawyer. The lawyer calls me. I get the cremation. And going through it, there are dental pieces of of dental appliances and pieces of teeth and things like that. Well, obviously, with a guy with completely false teeth and no teeth at all and no dental appliances, they didn't they didn't get their loved one. You see, mm-hmm. so those are the things that I've been doing recently. If you say recently, the last couple of years, let's put it that way. Our next case, an illegal fireworks explosion that killed 12 people, is not a criminal case. It's a disaster that wiped out several generations of the same family. They were making illegal fireworks in a rural barn and preparing the explosive powder with an electric mixer. Well, the electric mixer sparked, and the whole thing exploded like a bomb blowing many of them right out through the top of the barn, dismembering many and spreading remains throughout the trees. Dr. Bass was called in to identify the victims by putting them back together. He takes over now. As a matter of fact, that's the largest illegal fireworks explosion in the United States. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fireworks explosions are not uncommon, really. But if and, and the illegal ones, uh, but in most cases you kill only uh, anywhere from one to about three or four people. Mm-hmm. 
the one uh, in Benton, Tennessee, uh, there was a, a, a family that got involved in making illegal fireworks. And uh, it was an extended family. They didn't want to hire people to, so that everybody knew what they were doing. So it was an extended family. And um, they had an explosion. And in this explosion, they killed 12 people, hmm. uh, and both males and females, varying in age from 18 to 65. And uh, I went down and spent two long, two long days uh, identifying the people in that thing. Most of them were burned. Well, they were scorched. Let's put yes. it that way. Um, the explosion literally blew the people out, and not straight up, but they blew them up, and they came down through the trees. Mm-hmm. And so that was a case in which you had to look up and see if there's clothing or body parts mm-hmm. in the trees. And um, it's gruesome work you do sometimes. Uh, well, yeah. The Benton fireworks explosion was different because you had males and females. Um, in that case, it blew the arms and legs off, so it, and it blew the heads off of some of them. But uh, oh, that must have been one of, horrific explosion. Yeah, terrific explosion. It really was. But what we had, we rented two refrigerated trailers. We put mm-hmm. uh, the torsos in one trailer. And we put the body parts in another trailer. Hmm. And let's say that you have, you know, you, you've got legs. And so you have a pile of right legs and a pile of left legs. But in this case, we had a pile of shaved right legs and a uh. pile of unshaved right legs and a pile of shaved left legs and mm-hmm. unshaved left legs. So that if you had a female torso and you needed to find the legs that went with it, you would go not to the pile of just the pile of right legs or something, you would go to the shave pile because yes. most women shave their legs. And so of course. these are little these are little cultural things that you can add into the anatomical mm-hmm. things that we've been talking about. What are the things, let's, let's suppose we look at uh, uh, when someone came upon in, in your line of work a body a hundred years ago versus today, what can you tell today that they couldn't tell then? I'm sure there's a great deal of difference, but I know that from the work at the body farm, you're able to say, okay, maggots are here, therefore it's been X amount of time. That's right. If you go back a hundred years, very few people knew had had really studied the skeleton a hundred years ago mm-hmm. uh and looked at the the differences uh between uh males and females or between the races mm-hmm. or what age does to a skeleton and that has come along essentially in my career starting in the uh the nineteen forties and certainly through the fifties and uh you know up up to two thousand uh there's been an interest in looking at these anatomical changes or genetic markers that occur on on bone. Um, One of the things that I've noticed in my career is that from, say, 60 years ago, when I've been doing this 60 years, uh, the police would bring you one bone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mainly it was a skull, but uh, they wouldn't bring you. They didn't think there was anything that, you know, you could tell from, uh, the arms or legs or the ribs or things like like that, uh, and so it has been a training process for me to convince the police that hey, you need to bring all the bones because let me just give you an example. Uh, if many people who were stabbed 
know that they're going to be, they can see the guy pulls out a knife. And so you're just not going to stand there and be stabbed. You're going to hold up your hand. So let's say that you hold up your left hand to ward off the attack. Uh, that hand is going to be cut. Mm-hmm. Now, the maggots that are there, maggots can't eat through the epidermal layer of skin. That's the outside layer of skin. They frequent the moist orifice of the body, the eyes, the nose, the mouth, mm-hmm. and so forth, or any wound in the body. So when you see a, de- a, a skeleton lying there or a body decaying, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. and the left hand is down to bone and the right hand still has fingerprints on it, that's your red flag. Uh-huh. You want to be careful because that's telling you something. Mm-hmm. Even before you ever touch that skeleton, you can say, hey, this individual has had his left hand cut or damaged or something like that, or shot. And you want to look carefully because those finger bones can tell you a lot. Well, it's like, uh, you know, the old saying, I'm sure uh, you you probably have this as a motto around there, that uh, dead men tell no tales, and you found that the dead men are quite talkative. They are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, essentially what I've done is go into a field in which you learn what that death is telling you. How do you read that death? And in learning to read those deaths with new technologies and good old-fashioned, better-informed sleuthing, Dr. Bass has uniquely strengthened the forensic success of criminal investigations. Next week, we will move on to a new story of someone who changed the world he lived in and the world ever after, too. He was not a scientist or an explorer. He was a writer and much, much more. Anytime you'd like to reach out to me, here's my program-specific Gmail, wfstrongpodcast at gmail.com, wfstrongpodcast at gmail.com. Write anytime. Until next week, then, tell some stories of your own. No greater force in the world than good stories well told.